Well, I tell you what, I hope you all having a good morning. I am having a great time. Oh, uh, we just had a Discover Cross Life uh, class uh, today, and several people are there. And uh, if you're here and have not uh, had the uh, opportunity to join uh, Cross Life here at the East Campus, uh, we're going to start doing this every month. I have an opportunity for you to join. And if we don't have anybody that wants to come to that class, we'll just cancel it for that month. And then, we're, But we're going to give you all an opportunity uh, to join. I noticed when I came in this morning that on the chairs is uh, these cards inviting people to come on April 1st. And no fooling, Christ has been risen. And so some of you all will catch that later. But anyway, uh, please take these and pass them out in your neighborhood. And then Elijah is going to speak uh, to something later. But uh, over the next two Saturdays, uh, we're going to have a East, uh, Cross Life East Campus Blitz in a couple of uh, neighborhoods. And I'll be coming up on Friday, so I'll be there on Friday morning, be able to go out with you all, because I wouldn't miss that for the world, okay? Uh, that's that's going to be the most fun. I did this several years ago in Georgia, and uh, a couple that had fear and trepidation came back. They were so excited. They wanted a puppy for their son, and when they went to one of the houses to hand out the uh, Easter material, fella comes out and said, do you need a puppy? And so they came back with a puppy. Hey, God supplies, all right? So, uh, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Uh, this morning, I want to speak to you about I am free at last. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 7 uh, through 10. And uh, basically, that verse of Scripture says, very simply, In Him, that means Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. You know, as I was preparing this last week, I always have to prepare my messages a week in advance, I'm already working on the one, uh, hope to finish it up in the morning so uh, Peggy can uh, type it for me because i got to have it when I go back. So I don't have the luxury of doing it during the, the week before I preach. i got to do it two weeks before. But uh, as I was looking at this, I just got thinking about everything that's going on in the world. You know, I can never remember living a time in my lifetime, and folks, I've lived quite a bit and a long time, a lot longer than I expected to, but I've never seen it like this. You know, where, where things are just rampant in, in going in the opposite direction. So I got thinking about this a couple of weeks ago and looked at this passage. And I come to the realization that the world has been captivated or kidnapped by several forces. I'm going to name three of those. And then later on, I'm going to give you three facts uh, of, uh, that, of good news. We're going to talk about that. But one of the forces is sin. You know, all individuals, and you need to understand it's all individuals outside of Christ who are not part of God's family. Now, that's, that's the dividing line. If they're not part of God's family, they are in a situation of sin. Uh, that's not to say that Christians do not sin, but the force of sin in a Christian's life has been broken by the sacrifice of cross on, uh, by uh, Christ on the cross. So, we have an option. Now, I, you know, you know, I wish I could stand here and tell you in the 50 years I've been a Christian that I've never sinned again, but I can't tell you that. And I have to admit and be honest that when I sin, I do it 
because I choose to. You know, I'm, I'm, you know and I don't, uh, I, I don't like to admit that, but it's true. You know, I can't say, well, the devil made me do it. <laughs> no. Because the Bible tells me over in 1 John 4, 4, Great is he that's in me that he's in the world. So sometimes I just succumb to my weak nature. You know, but that doesn't mean I'm bound and in the bondage of sin. Because that has been broken in my life. But unfortunately, for those individuals who are outside Christ, they're under that force of sin. They've been captured by it. The second force that has captured all individuals is the force of corruption and death. The whole creation is corrupt. Everything wastes away. It deteriorates. It decays. It ages and eventually dies. Look around. What are you all sitting on? Let me see. I did that. Oh, y'all on chairs. Do you know one of these chairs, one of these days, these chairs could be in a dump somewhere? Everything, everything decays. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I used to have some nice shoes that are now only God knows where they are. You know, I'm going to have to give you a bill so I can see y'all. Y'all, so y'all look really good this day. But anyway, everything decays. You know, when, when uh, Adam sinned against God, when he rebelled against God, the whole creation also rebelled. And so everything you can see, you can feel, you can touch is, is, in the, in, is, 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 is dying. Uh, you know, I cut myself here the other day. I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that. But you know what? I can't even find where I cut myself because my body healed because I was created to live forever. God created me that way. But because of the sin, I now have a corrupt body that's decaying. I, I just want you to know this. You all may not, this may surprise you, but I've not always looked like this. <laughs> I used to be a, a hunk. I'm wasted. I used to be 6'1". 265 pounds. Then I started going on a diet. I didn't realize I had three inches of fat on the bottom of my feet. Just <laughs> brought me down. Terrible. But folks, I'm going to tell you, we're all in the process of decay. So we're, for those outside Christ, they're in the bondage of sin. For those and all of us, because of the sin of Adam, we're all in the process of dying. And then the last force I want to mention is the force of Satan. All unbelievers, all unbelievers are under the power and influence of Satan. He has blinded their minds to the gospel. He works in the children of obedience. However, when God's people are faithful to share the good news of Christ and the Holy Spirit does his work, he breaks that bondage. And all of a sudden, the veil that's over their eyes, the scales, is lifted and they see the truth of the gospel. But they will never see the truth unless we share with them. And so that's very, very important. So that's the bad news. Sin, corruption, Satan are in the lives of all unbelievers. Are you all ready for this? But praise God. I love that. Praise God. I have some good news for you this morning. As I have shared these three forces, I want to now share with you three facts that I hope will set your minds at rest and make your hearts rejoice. The first fact, according to our scripture this morning, is that God has redeemed us. 
He's redeemed us. Do you all realize there were, I looked this up, there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire? Think about that. 60 million slaves, and often they were bought and sold like pieces of furniture. They were misused. They were overworked. They had no dignity. They had, they had no rights. But, you know, an individual could purchase a slave and set him free and give him his freedom. That's what Jesus did for us. He redeemed us. Now, according to Scripture, the price for our redemption was his blood. He shed his blood that we might be set free from the bondage of sin, that we might be set free from the corruption, that we might be set free from under Satan's influence. He has bought us with his precious blood. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I came to this conclusion years ago, way before God ever called me into the ministry, because people, I've shared this with people, and they say, well, Brother Herb, you say that because you're a pastor. No, I was saying that as a layman. It dawned on me one day. I was telling somebody, and I'm going to get back to my point, but I was telling somebody, it was really hard for me when, to make the transition from secular life into ministry life. And here's why. My wife reminds me all the time, you're not a sergeant in the Army anymore, big boy. <laughs> See, I was used in the Army of talking to those underneath me, and they jumped. They never questioned, they just jumped. And then I had the privilege of going to work for this huge corporation out of Chicago. And I was the youngest manager in the whole company. I had five states under me. And when I tell those guys to jump, they jumped. Jump. <laughs> and then I had my own business for 16 years. And all my employees, and I said, they never argued with me. If they did, they only did it once. I have mellowed. And then all of a sudden, God calls me in the ministry. And three months in the ministry, my pastor's laughing at me. Dr. Carl Marshall, he said, a little different, isn't it, big boy? They think they're volunteers. But I said, you know, I came to the conclusion that I'm not a volunteer. I've been bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And anything that I can do to further the, the kingdom of God, to, to further the work of the church, I've always felt it was a blessing. Because Jesus loved me enough to die for me. Can I not love him enough to work for him? So, I am no longer a volunteer. And we got to get this out of our mind. Uh, he redeemed us. And our text today tells us we have redemption. There are three key ideas I thought about in the concept of redemption. We need to be liberated. We need to be delivered. We need to be set free. Remember, while out from Christ, from when Christ was not in our life, we were in bondage to sin. We are unable to liberate ourselves. We can't do it. God has redeemed us. By the blood of his son. And we've been set free at last. God loves us with an unbelievable love. Therefore through Christ he has set us free. He set us free from the law. 
It bothers me when people want to continue to put themselves in the law. You know, we're no longer under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We're not under the bondage of the law. We're under grace. And grace always supersedes law. Always goes beyond law. We're free from the slavery of sin. As I said, if I sin, it's not because the devil made me do it. I sin because I have a sin nature. You know, if you read Romans chapter 7, you see Paul's struggle. You know, he says, the things I should do, I don't do. And the very things I ought to do, I don't do. Who is going to release me from this bondage of sin, this wretched flesh? He struggled. Now, that's Paul. If he struggled, you think we are not going to have to struggle? But one of my favorite verses of Scripture is found in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 1. Paul struggles. He fights in the 7th chapter. But in the 8th chapter, first 1, he says, Now there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, who are walking by the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why it's so important that every day you ask God to give you a fresh filling of the Spirit. You have the Spirit. You have the Spirit of God. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you have the Spirit. You've been sealed in the Spirit. The question is not do you have the Spirit. The question is does the Spirit have you? That's the Write that down. That's important. Every day. Because, you know, we leak. You say, what are you talking about, brother? Where are you driving down the road? Somebody cut you off? You might not say it, but you're thinking it. Or you show angry. Sit on that horn. Somebody says something you don't like. You say something unkind. You leak. You're in the flesh. God does not want us to walk in the flesh. He wants us to walk in the spirit. So we've been, we, we, we've been set free from sin. We've been set free from the power of Satan in the world. If we were still slaves to Satan and sin, we would be very poor. But praise God, we're children of the King. We're sons of God. And we are rich. Ladies and gentlemen, don't any of you ever say that you're poor. You're rich in Christ. So, God has redeemed us. But the second fact is that God has forgiven us. The word forgive means to carry away, to send off, to send away, to release, or to let go. It reminds us of the ritual on the Jewish Day of Atonement when the high priest sent the scapegoats or goat into the wilderness. You know, I had the privilege of being in Israel on the Day of Atonement. We were, we were in Tel Aviv, Myself and 14 others had gone over there. And we were working in the Baptist village. Did you know that we have a Baptist village in, the, in Tel Aviv in Israel? It's our land. We've purchased it. We have it. We have all kinds of ministries going on there. We were, we were putting a new roof on some of the buildings. We were putting the sprinkler system in. It was a work mission project. But we were already told that on the Day of Atonement, which was that day... We could not work. We couldn't do anything. Nothing. And you know what? We were, t- we were all sitting there. We were just amazed. The shofar was blown around s- sunset. 
and the Day of Atonement began. And we sat there, and you know what? Flies didn't even fly. I mean, we were talking, everything just came to, it stopped. Everything stopped. If you saw a car driving, it was not an Israeli. It was an Arab. Everything stopped. It was eerie. But we couldn't get over that. I don't even think I saw a bird fly during that time. And so what it reminds you of the Day of Atonement when there were two goats. And the priest would kill one and take the blood and take it into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And then, then the priest would confess Israel's sin over the other goat, the scapegoat, and it would be taken into the wilderness to be lost forever. See, Christ died to carry away our sins so they might never be seen again. In Psalm 103, 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed us, removed our transgressions from us. You know, I used to think about that verse. I still do. Why didn't he say north-south? As far as north is from south. Well, we're right here in Orlando. And we start going north. And we go over the North Pole. What direction are we going? We're going south. We go over the South Pole. What direction are we going north? However, if we go west... And we go all the way around the globe and we come back to Orlando. What direction are we going? We're still going west. And if we go east, I don't know if this is east or west. I mean, just, I'm lost, folks, you know. But if we go east, you go all the way around the globe, you're still going east. East and west does not meet. That's the wisdom of the Bible. So God has removed our sin as far as east is from west. So he's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. But he also, the third fact is Jesus has revealed God's plan to us. God has revealed the mystery of his will to us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a key thought and great theme of Ephesians. God's plan for his people, a plan that was, so, was not fully understood even in Paul's day. They didn't understand it. The prophets used to write and they never saw the church. They, they, they saw what was going on and they saw the end times. They didn't see the church. The word mystery has nothing to do with anything that's eerie. It means a sacred secret, once hidden but now revealed to God's people. God's plan that has been revealed after Christ paid the price for the forgiveness of our sins by shedding his blood on cross. Now, stop and think that with me for a minute. Ever since sin came into the world, in the Garden of Eden, things have been falling apart. <laughs> I'm a perfect example of something falling apart. First man was separated from God because of Adam disobeying God. We had fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden, and because of sin, we lost that fellowship. And we only re we regain that fellowship when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. First man was separated from God because of Adam's disobeying God. Then man was separated from man as Cain killed Abel. And then God called Abraham and put the difference between the Jew and the Gentile. A difference that was maintained until Christ's death on the cross. 
Think with me, ladies and gentlemen. Go back to Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image. I was sharing this with the Discover Cross Life group this morning. God is a triune personality. He's a, in the Greek, it's a trichotomy. One God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he says, let us make man, I'm going to fall off here. He said, let us make man in our image. When Adam was created, he was created as a trichotomy. Body, soul, spirit. You remember? God played in the mud, made this big, huge mud pie, breathed into the nostrils, and it says, man became a living soul. Body, soul, the spirit of God. And God told Adam, when you eat of this tree, you're surely going to die. Well, you know, secular man reads the Bible and they said, the Bible don't make sense. Adam didn't die. Yeah, he did. He lost the spirit of God. And from that time on, everybody that's been born has not been born a trichotomy, but a dual personality, body and soul. So when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, he said, we know you must be a man come from God because you could not do the things you're doing unless you had come from God. And you know, Jesus didn't beat around the bush. He didn't spend a year spending a time building a relationship with Nicodemus. You know, I, I get a little peeved sometimes. People say, well, you got to build a, a big relationship with somebody before you can lead them to Christ. But what happens if they die while you're trying to build that relationship? I can build a relationship with somebody in 10 minutes. Talk to them about golf if they're a golfer. Talk to them about uh, horseshoes, whatever you want to talk about, and just build a relationship. Man became just body and soul. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, your problem is you need to be born again. Now, what's it mean to be born again? It simply means that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the moment we receive Christ, we receive his spirit. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and invites me to come in, I'll come in and I'll dine with him and he with me. I'll have a relationship. I'll never leave you. And so what happens, your body and soul, but when you receive Christ, you become a triune personality, your body, soul, and spirit. And so God revealed his plan. His plan is to bring all things under Christ. Sin is tearing everything apart. But in Christ, God will gather everything together in the fullness of time. God has now revealed his final plan. What man has destroyed through sin, God will put back together again in Christ. We are part of this great eternal program. Christ's church should be an example of what is to come. Total forgiveness of sin. A oneness with God's people in Christ. Where all nations, all tongues, all people come together as one with no difference. But only love for one another. God has called us into Christ's church. Hear this, ladies and gentlemen. 
Therefore, it is not optional for a Christian to be a member of a local church where they can be part of God's plan to reach their community for Christ and come together to worship a loving God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. You know, God's people are great about memorizing verses and then stopping. Verse chapter 20, chapter 10, verse 25 in Hebrews says, Do not, that's the command, do not forsake the assembling yourself together as the habit of some is, especially you see that day drawing near. What is that day? The coming of Christ. Jesus is coming back, and we're closer today than we were yesterday. And if he doesn't come back today, we'll be closer tomorrow. He's coming, folks. And we stop. Do not forsake the assembling yourself together as the habit of some is, especially you see the time drawing near. But what does the next verse say? The next verse says, For when you go on sinning willfully, there's a certain expectation of judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not optional for a child of God to be a member of the church, a local church. Over the years, I've heard people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be saved. That's true. You don't. You don't have to go to church to be saved. But if you're saved, you ought to go to church. It's as simple as that. I want to close my message with this illustration. Years ago, when I was serving First Baptist Church of Lilburn, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, pretty good-sized church. God's blessed me. I've always been in big churches. There was a knock on my door on Wednesday night after the service. And there was this family there that come to our parking lot. And one of our deacons brought him up to my office. Because I did benevolence at the church. So they came to my office. I talked to them. I always talked to them about their faith in Christ. They gave a very clear testimony. And they'd come into town. And they were having all kinds of problems. And they needed some help. Well, like most churches, we wanted to help them. So, I took the family and got them a hotel room. The kids were tired. I took them out, and I didn't take them to McDonald's. I got them a good dinner. And then we went back to the hotel room so Mama could get the kids cleaned up and everything, get them in bed. And I took him and had him follow me in the fumes in his car to a gas station. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it was January. It was cold. That station was on a hill. Wind was blowing. I put my card in, took it out, and he hands me the nozzle. So I'm sitting there putting gas in his car, and here's what I'm thinking. I had to ask God to give me a fresh feeling of spirit after I did this thinking. <laughs> At least he could put the gas in his car if I paid for it. But I'm putting gas in his car, having a conversation, and he said, Preacher, I want you to know how much we appreciate this. But this is what he said to me. I, I have never forgotten it. But I want you to know I don't believe in organized religion. I checked his testimony that he received Christ, but I didn't ask him about his church. So I said, sir, are you telling me you don't belong to a church? He said, no, I don't believe in belonging to a church. You're finding out all my pet peeves, aren't you? I said, let me ask you a question. You came to our church because you saw the steeple and you knew you could get help at the church. 
This is a suburb of Atlanta. There's 100,000 people that live in this area. Do you know how many doors you'd had to look and knock on, hopefully to find a Christian who could help you to the extent we've helped you? You could knock on 1,000 doors. You might not have ever found anybody at the late at night that you came in because it was dark because it's wintertime. And you had the audacity. I talk like that. You had the audacity to tell me that you want help from the church, but you don't want to be part of the church. I said, sir, we were glad we were able to do this, but I'm going to tell you, if everybody believed like you believed, where would you have gone to get help tonight? See, God has gathered us in groups that are to grow and become larger and larger. Now, one of my things given is people say, well, I like a small church. Just, you know, just a very small church. Ladies and gentlemen, the church should grow and grow and grow and grow. And you build relationships not in a worship service like this. You build relationships in being part of a small group. I believe in small groups. I believe in Sunday school. I believe in Bible study. If you're here, let me encourage you. If you're not part of a small group, become part of a Because that's where you're going to build your relationships. There was a time in my life I had a great difficulty. Way before I was in the ministry. And I was part of a men's small group. And those guys took vacations to help me. I don't know where I would have been if it had not been for those men who took their vacation and took a couple weeks to help me get over this hump that I needed help. And I didn't ask them. I just went to the altar. I was asking God for help. And the guy came, put his arm around me, and said, what's wrong, Brother Herb? And I shared with him that some things I was going through about a business that I had. And he said, well, that's no problem. We'll get some of the guys together and we'll help you. And they did. That would not have happened if I had not been in that small group. So basically, we've been set free. And we've been set free and been redeemed and forgiven. And God has shared his plan of the church where all peoples, all tongues, everybody is one. There is no difference. We're all one in Christ. And that's the function of the church. So today, as I close this message, if you're here, I would like for you as Elijah said, please fill out this card. Tomorrow morning, I'll go over, over, over every one of these cards. I was meeting with Elijah and Patrick and Cameron this past Monday. And I'd already prayed over every one of these cards. And the thing that got me, several people turned cards in and they didn't put any name. I could pray for the need, but I couldn't pray for them. By name. Please fill these cards out. Fill out any, your response to what you hear today. If you have a prayer request, put the prayer request. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know for assurance that if He died right now that you'd go to heaven, I'm going to pray a prayer. Just repeat after me. And you can leave here today 
being redeemed, being forgiven, and totally understanding the will of God. If you're here and you've not been baptized, I'm right now working on a, on a time when we can baptize. If you've not been baptized after receiving Christ, not before, then put that down. What a decision you need, please put it down. Elijah's going to be talking about our blitz in a few minutes. Folks, Easter is a great time to invite people to come to church. Come and be involved in those two blitzes we're doing. Next Saturday and the Saturday after. I'm going to be here. I'm coming up special. I wouldn't miss it. Because who knows, one of the doors I go to may be the next person that Christ is going to bring into the kingdom. That's exciting. Pray with me and I'll turn over to Elijah. Father, we want to thank you for this day. We just thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, that you thought us so special that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That which we could not do for ourselves, you did for us. And so, Lord, I pray today, and I ask you, Father, to permeate this service, to touch hearts. Lord, if any of us need to make any kind of decision, if we need to join the church, if we need to be saved, if we need to be baptized, Lord, I pray that we would be found obedient, that, Father, that we would do that which you've asked us to do. Lord, you've given us a free will, and so we can choose not to. But, Lord, when we're not faithful, we miss your blessings. Lord, I want us each to be so blessed that people will come to us and ask us why we're so blessed. And we can tell them because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, let these people know how much they're loved, how much they're loved by you, how much they're loved by Dorothy and I, how much they're loved by people that know them. And Lord, I know that you build your church. But Lord, this I know, you build it through workings of your people to invite people to come to church to share the gospel and do acts of kindness as we go. And so Lord, we just want to praise you Thank you for everything you've done for us. Through the blessing of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen.